Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Bradley J on air control. We're listening at dawn. And our radios are tuned to 10.30. In our cars, it's locked on WBZ. Hello, do you read me? Affirmative, I read you. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. WBZ, your Jay talking live, midnight to five. This is Law Night, Coins Law. It's Michael Coyne in from the Massachusetts School of Law. Hello again, Michael. Hi, Ellie Bradley. How are you tonight? Hey, thanks for coming in, and thanks for bringing the beach pizza. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Nancy had one. Dan is watching his weight. He didn't want one. Dan's trying to be more careful uh, than than I some had. of us are over the summer, where we indulge a little too much. I right? had uh, more for me. All right, there are many things to cover, and that includes the lawsuit between Uber and cab drivers and Scabby the Rat. And let's get rid of Kevin Spacey here. Let's get him off the docket. Yeah, it was an interesting turn of events since the last time we met. We had an extensive discussion the last time about it, but uh, then there was uh, another opportunity to weigh in on it because what happened shortly after that, the, for folks to remember, there was an evidentiary hearing on it, and through the course of the evidentiary hearing about the missing evidence, the things deleted and, take, and lost from the ultimately uh, lost cell phone, um, the uh, complainant took the Fifth Amendment, refusing to testify for, on the grounds that his answers might reasonably tend to incriminate him. Uh, the mother subsequently testified about having taken some items off the phone, um, and before the day was done, we thought the case was pretty much in a shambles. And then within a, uh, a week or so after that, the district attorney's office filed what we call a null pros uh, form, which in essence saying that they are choosing not to go forward with the case uh, because they cannot get the complainant's assistance any longer. He is refusing to cooperate. Uh, and with the loss of the cell phone and the loss of the uh, complainant's testimony, they just didn't feel that in good faith they could go forward and ultimately likely contain a, uh, obtain a conviction, which I think it was clear after the evidentiary hearing that there was almost no hope of obtaining a conviction. It appeared likely at that point that that case was over. Other cases get tried without that kind of evidence. Why did this one, why, why did they not go forward yeah, with this one? Well, I, and that is the interesting turn of events here. You know, we tried cases well before we had all this electronic evidence and the little Snapchat videos and all of the rest of it. We tried it on the basis of testimony on the physical evidence and on uh, what witnesses we might have had to the events. Uh, the fact is, though, now, like um, DNA evidence and like all of our electronic evidence, juries come to expect that much of the presentation will be 
uh, in that manner. And when we don't have it, uh, when it's a criminal case and it's DNA and blood and fibers and like that, we talk about it as the CSI effect. If you don't have it, the juries wonder where it is because they see it all on TV, and it's much harder to obtain a conviction. And especially when we think about sex crimes and the like, to try and move forward without the victim's testimony, without the alleged victim's testimony, without the person who's bringing the complaint itself and alleging that various activities took place, again, with, when one considers the government's burden of proof, which is beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, it's almost impossible to reach that standard of proof without the complainant's testimony. And I think that's when, when the government took a hard look at its case, they realized that um, they could not obtain a conviction. And I think in part they could not obtain a conviction at that point because law enforcement uh, handled this case likely differently than they have handled others in the past. And the celebrity status was a factor? I, think, I, th I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think on both sides of the equation, the more you look at this, the fact that the uh, complainant and his family uh, had, had media contacts and was a, she was a media personality for some time in the, in the Commonwealth and throughout New England, and the fact that the defendant was Mr. Spacey, a famous actor, I think influenced how law enforcement went about both assembling and accepting uh, some of the evidence, as well as uh, not treating them um, with the type of skepticism that many folks would be treated, whether they were the complainant who had removed or, removed or altered evidence, or who was the defendant, who there were numerous charges out there and claims of being a predatory sexual abuser. Uh, and and nonetheless go forward after 13 months after the uh, initial events took place. So I think, yes, I think celebrity status affected how they were treated by law enforcement and the court system, and ultimately whether uh, the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed, I think in part, was affected because we a lot of the normal procedures, the normal chain, chain, chain of custody type issues uh, were not treated as they would be uh, generally. And it unfortunately um, says that either the case uh, should have been handled far differently at the outset uh, or it never should have been brought to begin with because at the end of the day now we had a lot of time and resources devoted to a case that, that appeared to be one that wasn't worthy to uh, bring forward to a jury uh, once the, the actual facts were discovered with respect to the alteration and destruction of evidence. Are you more likely, less likely, or no change to see us Kevin the next Kevin Spacey movie? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, I enjoy Kevin Spacey as an actor. Uh, I think what this uh, case did do is bring to light for me, and I'm sure for others, um, uh, part of Kevin Spacey's unsavory background that most of us were, were really not aware. Um, the fact is, is that uh, there are, there were, are, it's continued to be numerous complaints about uh, his predatory behavior. Um, now, whether some of them are consensual activities or all of them are consensual activities, uh, we're not uh, sure because the cases have not come forward to trial. Um, but what it does do is, I think, reflects uh, poorly 
on his character to some extent for him to place himself in situations over and over and over again where these claims are made. My mom used to say, right, if there's enough smoke, there's fire somewhere. If he loses a movie role and they tell him it's because of those allegations, can he sue them? If they're unproven? He's a public figure. Public figure defamation cases, as we've talked in the past, are very, very difficult to win. Could he potentially sue them? It's not really defamation. It's you didn't give me the job. It's more an employment thing. You didn't give me this job because of these unsubstantiated allegations. Well, but the argument is the unsubstantiated allegations are untrue. Therefore, you've defamed me. You've said something false about me or put me in an unflattering light such that my reputation has been damaged. And here it's the reputation is damaged with the accompanying loss of um, money. And so those, those would be his damages. Did you, did you feel that I was asking if he could sue the people who prosecuted him this time or oh, the yes. people who weren't giving him the job? That's what I was. Oh, I thought. Like a movie company, an em- potential employer says. Oh, okay. I uh, thought you, you were can't saying- get this job because we heard these things about you. I thought you were asking, can he sue the complainant no. and potentially his family? Okay. Um, well, the fact is, is that if the, it depends on whether there's a breach of contract. So you would have to look at what the terms of, if there was in fact a contract. If on the other hand, they're just saying, you know, listen, if you didn't have all this baggage attached, I would uh, make you the lead in the next uh, movie and would pay you $5 million. The fact is we can make personal decisions based on, especially in that industry, your marketability, whether people are going to come see your, your movies and the like. And the fact that I now feel you're damaged goods, rightly or wrongly, uh, uh, based on a- either proper or improper accusations is really not my fault as the person who's making the movie. It is the person who made the charges that you should be uh, looking to. But again, the fact is is that just because the criminal case uh, didn't go forward to conviction doesn't mean that he wasn't violating the law. I mean, my understanding is he's buying drinks for an underage young man, um, even that in and of itself, uh, supplying alcohol to minors. I have represented uh, individuals, high school students in the past, where they've been arrested because they did that with other minors and the like. So the, the fact is, is that even though that's a relatively low-level crime, as most people see it, it's still okay. a crime. I see what you're saying. It is just not doesn't have the value, the box office value he used to. No, but he, and I that's don't, not I, the company's fault. They wrote him out of the movie completely about J. Paul Getty and, and recast the movie um, uh, in his role and reshot all of those scenes because they were concerned about what his uh, likeness in that movie would do with respect to both box office and people's uh, ability or willingness to watch the movie. So the, the fact is, is that... Time will tell whether this has permanently damaged his ability to make money as an actor. Other uh, famous actors have come back from uh, significant uh, problems, either with drugs or in the criminal justice system. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., for for one, comes to mind. But uh, oftentimes sex crimes are treated a little differently. Okay. So we'll just... Spacey's off the docket now. Spacey, we're finished with. There'll be no further appeals. And this case is moving on until either Scotland Yard, because that was revealed during the course of it. Scotland Yard was investigating five claims by others over there as well. So he, he, he may be back in the news, but we won't be discussing his case in Massachusetts. And now 
You can fill in, fill me in on all the details on Jeffrey Epstein, held on sex charges, awaiting trial, had to actually go to jail, got injured in jail, how the mighty fall. <laughs> sure. It's a, it's a really uh, a tragic set of circumstances all around, from all of the alleged victims to the connections uh, Mr. Epstein had in politics and elsewhere, and uh, the, uh, the wake of um, broken lives that are left now, at least based on the allegations that are presently made. And it's, to me, again, it's another one of these uh, fascinating situations because uh, for years it is alleged that he um, abused underage women and allowed he and his friends to um, take place uh, at various parties and activities with uh, these young women. And, you know, others would say that 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 it really these were young girls. These were the very, very uh, young folks that uh, obviously he had uh, a significant sexual interest in. And so uh, uh, for years, uh, for the most part, he avoided prosecution. There was one case down in Florida where on uh, he faced a relatively light sentence uh, having uh, decided to enter into a plea arrangement on the sex charges, and in essence was able to serve his time on weekends, mostly released and was doing, uh, was working during the week and then serving some time on weekends. And what was interesting about that is that the U.S. attorney at the time ultimately became a member of President Trump's cabinet. He signed off on the deal. Um, and then when the, the deal and Epstein's uh, entire dealings came to light, uh, he ultimately then just recently resigned his cabinet role. Uh, and there's a lot of concern about whether he received uh, in the past and, and perhaps until very, very recently uh, favorable treatment because of his friends in high places. And he has uh, connections to President Trump. Um, to Bill Clinton, uh, Alan Dershowitz for many years was his lawyer, and uh, at least some of the uh, one of the alleged victims is saying that uh, Epstein uh, allow, uh, had her have sex with with Dershowitz, which he vehement, vehemently denies. Um, and there's also a connection here to Bob Kraft as well, because the person representing Epstein down in Florida was Jack Goldenberger. He represents Bob Kraft in those sex charges down in Florida. So it's 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 a case where what we see is that there's a, another person with a long history uh, of being at the fringe of criminal activity, at the minimum a fringe of criminal activity with respect to sex abuse charges, and nonetheless escaping responsibility for those acts till very recently. So recently, Epstein was arrested upon his return to the United States. He's arrested in New York on these uh, various sex charges and uh, was held without bail in New York um, at his bail hearing on the basis that he was a flight risk. He is uh, a billionaire by all accounts. He's got um, assets uh, all, all, all over and he has an ability to travel and to escape the jurisdiction. So instead of uh, granting him bail, and he offered various alternatives for appropriate bail with uh, both the money and restrictions on his travel and uh, even movements, for instance. The court nonetheless decided that they would not release him. And so now, based on how long it will take to assemble all the evidence and the like, 
he may be held for the uh, virtually a year. a year pending the case awaiting trial. And for anyone to be uh, in prison for a year, and that's really in essence what it is, is is very difficult to take for someone who is facing their first time uh, in that situation. Uh, it can be um, uh, uh, an experience that takes its toll on both the mind and the body. And recently that they found him uh, hurt, injured, I think is the way it was reported, in his jail cell. Uh, and they weren't sure whether it was self-inflicted, whether how it all came about. But then at the last hearing, he looked okay. But I'm sure both physically and mentally, part of it is it's taking a significant toll on him because no one wants to be there, and especially when you go from the status of such wealth and privilege to um, such a uh, every movement being uh, regulated and watched and and. Uh, told what to do on a virtually moment-to-moment -moment basis, uh, it can be uh, devastating. And I think that's what, what we're seeing the parts of the effect of. But I, I, I look at this case, though, in, again, in a slightly different way, because one of, one of the worries always is, do, are the rich being treated differently? Are celebrities being treated differently? And uh, for the longest time, I think that that was, Epst uh, that was the case with Epstein. I don't think many... Uh, individuals who would face the charges he faced in Florida would have received such favorable treatment, um, and I'm a little surprised that they held him on bail here. I think it's the uh, I think it's the appropriate thing to do, but oftentimes when you have that with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Type of wealth uh, and status uh, that somehow uh, the court would look to try and uh, find appropriate conditions where you could be released because even still you haven't been convicted of these charges. Um, and, and when one looks at the influential people he's tied to, including President Trump, um, that you worry that that influence at some point affects the justice system. As I understand it, when the government incarcerates you, they're responsible for your well-being. Now, if someone gets injured while in jail, isn't don't they have a case against the government because the government was responsible for their safety? Well, yes and no. First of all, it's it's always extraordinarily difficult to sue the government. In essence, there's because of some early principles of what we call sovereign immunity. For the most part, the government is immune from suit unless it chooses to be sued, and there are only various uh, things that it chooses to be sued for. The other part of the problem with respect to saying that the prison is responsible for the injuries, when we incarcerate an, an entire community of dangerous people, you almost by its nature then have to expect that bad things are going to happen, and there may be nothing we can do to prevent bad things happening to everyone in that prison. And, and that's part of the problem, I think, is what we would call a causation problem, you're in a you're in a bad place, and if when you're in a really bad place, bad things can happen. Despite our taking steps to try and prevent that harm to you, um, because it's sort of a natural occurrence. And if you 
do dangerous things, you have to expect that uh, you've exposed yourself to a danger that, that you didn't probably truly appreciate. So forget about Jeffrey Epstein. Just say person X goes to jail. Yeah. They, they refuse bail. They get injured. And later they turn out to be exonerated. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't seem right. It isn't, but uh, it isn't right on a, on a moral level that you, through, in essence, what we're saying is through no fault of your own, in a set of circumstances that you don't control, you're now hurt. But, but the fact is, is that that does happen on occasion. We do take steps to, to try and prevent that from happening. Massachusetts, it's, it, our Supreme Court has taken extraordinary steps by way of its recent decisions to try and make sure that bail is used for appropriate purposes. Our Supreme Court has said, no, bail should be an affordable uh, uh, measure for people to reach to allow them to be out pending that trial. And so we can't set extraordinary bails. We, can't, we have to set, in fact, a reasonable bail. So if you're a person of more modest means and $100 is an appropriate bail to see that you would likely return, then that's what, it, that's what bail should be set at. If you're a danger to the community, that's a different standard and that's a different case that we'd look at. But so, so we have taken steps to try and avoid the problem that you've talked about. Not all, not all states have done so. But, but you raise a legitimate issue. You know, unfortunately, mistakes happen, and sometimes it's just a mistake. No one is going to end up paying for the problems that you encounter, you know, as a result of an unfortunate set of circumstances. And, you know, we unfortunately, despite all the protections in our system, we also uh, incarcerate people by way of conviction that as it turns out later on, that they should never have been incarcerated. They have no, they don't get any money. Well, sometimes they will get, there'll be acts of the legislature and like to get the money, but more often than not, uh, it's not a compensable case, right? Do you agree, uh, not do you agree, is it it true that uh, Professor Dershowitz uh, wrote something saying the consent for sexual activity should be reduced and is he giving an age? Yeah, um, and it, it's 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 kind of a strange turn of events to this Epstein saga because Dershowitz was his lawyer for um, many years. He also uh, one of the um, individuals who Epstein, uh, young woman that Epstein had with him, uh, says that Epstein paid her to have uh, sexual relations with Dershowitz, which he vehemently denies. Uh, and what uh, someone uncovered is an op-ed that he wrote wrote a few years ago that argued that the age of consent at 16 or 17 or even 18 is far outdated in this day and age because we live in different times and that the age of consent for sexual activity should be reduced to 14 or 15, uh, again, because we live in different times. And that's uh, to me, it raises an interesting question. It also raised an interesting uh, Twitter hashtag that people were than remarking on, and it was hashtag creepy Dershowitz. And that is the question, is when it's, it's an odd turn of events that when you're in, in, in snail, ensnared here in a sex scandal that someone uncovers a writing where you're uh, arguing or advocating for um, what some would see as a distasteful uh, change in the law. I'm looking at cre- creepy Dershowitz, and there are lots of... Uh, Video, little videos. This, this, it's weird. <laughs> Have you been there? Yeah, it it's is weird. weird. Okay, and the thing is, on on Twitter, people can say 
whatever. Well, God bless our freedom of speech, <laughs> right? But they not only can say whatever, they do say whatever. Uh, and it, it's it's interesting times we live in, even if you think about it, and uh, the hashtag Creepy Dershowitz, that in and of itself is enough to make you say, oh, geez, do you have to go there? It's particularly weird because he's such a serious person, and a lot of stuff you see here is cartoonish. It's pretty, oh, sure. pretty weird. Let's talk to Peter in Sobo. South Boston. I may, kind of made that up. Sobo. <laughs> I never heard it called that. Peter, what's up? Yeah, well, it is being called Sobo. Like, yeah. So, like, Alan Dershowitz with his, you know, he's been kind of scaly for a while. Um, like, since the the Sonny Von Bulow trial and his, you know, his rocket to, you know, notoriety in the... 80s, you know, during that trial. Yeah, that's what and, uh, Bradley and I were saying that, that that was the, the first big one that I reco uh, recollect as well as the, the Sonny Von Bulow trial where he came to fame, in essence. It put him on the map. Yep. You know, that's that's what put him on the map. And, like, I don't give that this gentleman. So, like, I spent a lot of time in prison on a wrongful conviction and was released after 21 years. And wow. I... I gave Alan Dershowitz a bunch of money, you know, and his son, I believe his son was, his son's name is Adam. And like everything went to Ab, his son before it went to him. Uh, so like it was screened, you know, be, I, I, I just like, I don't, I don't trust his judgment, you know, and like for some, you know, you know, old guy, you know, like who was kind of skeevy. And he's done some weird stuff, you know, throughout his life. He's been like, he, he's been on a bunch of sites. Listen, uh, an attorney does what they got to do. They do what they got to do. They they represent the, you know, whomever they're representing. But, you know, he just did a bunch of skis. Okay, you know what? I, I get the point. You've used the word a few times. It hey. sounds like a personal, uh, personal beef. And uh, we get it. Any comments? No, I just, uh, no, uh, you know, I think Alan Dershowitz uh, brings strong feelings for a lot of people to the table like that. And uh, obviously he's had some personal interactions that most of us have not had that uh, uh, affects the way he uh, addresses the situation. Um, and, and uh, you know. Okay. 617-254-1030, WBZ. Anything else on Ep? Stein. No, Stein. I just I again I want I wonder to what extent this whole issue when we think about Spacey, we think about Epstein, we think about Epstein's uh, relations to Trump and to um, President Clinton and um, all of these other famous people, whether we start to worry that their um, fame affects the administration of justice because we you know above. Above the Supreme Court, it says justice for all. And, and uh, I hope we all expect it's equal justice for all. Is now. it, though? I mean, it's not even close. I don't know about not even close. So I would have answered your if question. You're, if you're poor, no, it isn't. If, if you're you, poor, you get a bad lawyer. You don't, That's not necessarily true. That, that, that really isn't. That, was, that had quotes around it. Okay, because we have a lot of lawyers that work on for through the Committee for Public Counsel Service in Mass., other lawyers that represent um, indigents for free. Uh, we have other lawyers that try to provide reduced rates. And some lawyers, by the way, 
will represent either people on a pro bono basis or through Committee for Public Counsel Service, which is CPCS. And then uh, uh, on a, a, a different case for a different plaintiff but a different defendant with the same problem, we'll do it on a fee-paying basis privately. So you get uh, oftentimes the uh, high level of skill for uh, a relatively modest fee to you. That's okay? good to know. Um, so it's it's not that the lawyers, but but the fact is, you, when you have a lot of money, you then have the, the ability to have a lot of lawyers. Mm. You have the ability to have a lot of investigators. You and can hire expert, witnesses. Expert witnesses. And the fact is, is that you can use the, the deficiencies in the system to your advantage. And that's, I mean, that's what we worry about. If you think about the Bob Kraft case, for instance, a relatively low-level prostitution charge, most people would not have spent the type of money that Mr. Kraft has already spent on that case because they just don't have it. They would have likely have pled out to a crime, uh, a relatively modest crime with relatively little effects, um, and not found the problems in the government's case that Kraft's lawyers did. And, and what I worry about, though, is that that makes people uh, uh, think that perhaps the justice system is very different for the rich and powerful than it is for the poor. And I, I'm not arguing it's not different. And I'm not arguing that the effects, uh, unfortunately, are going to slant to the rich and powerful because they do. Uh, but I hope that we're at least closer to the objective that it is, in fact, equal justice for all. But I'm not naive enough to think that that is, in fact, true. I think it's, it's hopefully the, the, it's the, the field isn't tilted that significantly. But, but make no mistake about it, the, the rich and powerful do better f far more often than not in our justices. Do you think that Mr. Kraft would have been better off to take that deal? I mean— I, it, not taking the deal drags the thing out and keeps it in the news, and isn't that the isn't that the bad thing? Yeah, see, to me, I think, and I still believe that there was a deal to be reached there that everyone could have lived with, except responsibility for a relatively uh, minor offense, as most people see it, and and done some good as a result of it. Instead of spending uh, half a million dollars on lawyers that he's likely to spend at least uh, uh, through the appeals process here to have donated it to a woman's shelter in Florida or in, down in Massachusetts in Foxborough, who knows where, but that money would have been better spent um, by trying to do some good with it and make a deal um, than to continue to fight because at the end of the day, he's not, not going to clear his name as a result of this. Right. What he's going to do is say, okay, the crafts are incredibly litigious and fight everything tooth and nail to the bitter end. Doesn't necessarily mean they didn't do it. Doesn't even mean that they're bad people. It just means that this these are the people you're deciding to fight with. And there are many, by the way, companies and individuals like this. What we call is the you know classic scorched earth defense is that if you choose to sue some companies, there'll be no settlement. There'll be no resolution. There'll be a trial, and it'll be a long, expensive, costly battle. And you better have the stomach for it to the bitter end. And there, it's a uh, oftentimes a successful litigation strategy because most people don't have the stomach to to be involved in a fight with those type of emotional highs and lows for two to three years, uh, with the attendant potential uh, results that 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 are going to be potentially life changing. You're a sports guy. Was there anything related to the NFL and their rules that made it? That made him more likely to not take the deal, or that 
well, factored did, into his thinking on that? I think there could have been, but again, you know, it's not like Tom Brady who loses four games because of his rules violation, and we're going to see the effects on the field because you don't have the world's greatest quarterback play for four games. What you have is an owner that doesn't play on the field, doesn't make uh, decisions with respect to drafting of the players or anything like that. If you don't have the owners for four game, if the owner for four games, eight games, even a whole season, it doesn't affect, likely affect the results on the field one iota. So yes, he probably there was some concern about um, NFL discipline, which they are they are capable of and should impose on the owner just as harshly as they do on the players. Um, so that might have been a concern, but again, can they impose it even without a conviction? Yes, yes, so, and they have done it with the players, and they should do it with the owners as well. So then, not taking the deal really wouldn't play into it. No, well, other than that, if he takes a deal, then he's clearly dem- he's clearly admitted okay. some responsibility for the criminal charges. And right now, I mean, we don't really we don't have his version of the events whatsoever, and none of the. Uh, women, surprisingly to me, have talked, uh, except they face their own charges down there, and they also face significant forfeiture. My understanding was when uh, the uh, massage parlor was ultimately raided, they took over $200,000 in cash uh, from the... Uh, Unreported? Yeah, uh, right. Stuff? Yeah, cash. Yeah. Um, so that they would likely have some incentive either to assist law enforcement or oppose law enforcement on their own. Again, without that videotape evidence, it would be hard to convict them as well. So, yes, I think the NFL, it factored into it. But again, I it seems to me that, that there would have been some arrangement that everyone could have lived with that would have been satisfactory. And now what he bears is the risk of when Florida's uh, two appellate courts review it. One will look at it first, and then whoever doesn't like that result will move on to the next appellate court to see if they can uh, overturn that appellate court's decision. We still have probably at least another six months of hearings, uh, six months of time, which the courts will be reviewing this. And if he ultimately loses, we're back to square one, and the case will move forward with that evidence in place. And if that evidence is going to be used, then it's going to be uh, in the public sphere, and everyone will see Bob Kraft in a in an experience that most of us don't want don't want to see. Right. I would think he just kind of wanted to go away. I would have thought so too, and that's the point: is if you make a deal early, it's a little blip can, on the radar screen on. instead of what uh, was this a year later? People on the radio are still talking about it. Next, we'll talk about the marathon bomber situation on WBZ. We got to talk. What do we got to talk about? Mr. Bradley. Jay talking. Tonight. You hear me? With Bradley Jay. WBZ News Radio 1030. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you want to talk? About what? 
I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Jay Talkin' with Bradley J. WBZ. News Radio 1030. WBZ. We're with Michael Coyne, Massachusetts School of Law. He's the dean. He's got a, he's got a break in the action, so he can stay all night, isn't that? <laughs> Get out of here. So we have uh, uh, appeals court scheduling oral argument on the marathon bomber, and the uh, his his people are saying couldn't get a fair trial, which is. I wonder why they had the trial here, knowing they'd be, vulnerable to such a thing down the road. Well, and that's what he's wondering as well, uh, because uh, now the appellate, uh, the briefs have been filed in the appellate court, and the oral argument is scheduled for twelve twelve. So on in December, uh, we will hear the arguments uh, by Mr. Sanaev's lawyers and the government's lawyers as to whether he, re the marathon bomber, received a fair trial in Boston federal court uh, for the uh, deaths and injuries that occurred during the marathon bombing. And, um, you know, what his, his principal thrust of his argument is is that you could not did and did not impanel a fair jury in Massachusetts to be able to examine uh, his guilt or innocence and ultimately then uh, decide whether he should receive life imprisonment or the death penalty. Um, and, uh, you know, having... Uh, watched the trial carefully at the time, having observed much of the trial um, and the impaneling process. Um, the court took incredible pains to try and uh, find a fair-minded jury who uh, weren't uh, biased as a result of the uh, events at the marathon. Uh, they brought in the 1,349 jurors who completed a detailed questionnaire about their uh, knowledge of the case and their uh, involvement with uh, the marathon and individuals affected by the marathon. And ultimately, they impaneled the jury that they thought uh, could objectively view the case and the events surrounding it and, and his uh, guilt and the appropriate punishment. Uh, a lot of times people think that you're entitled to a jury who knows nothing about the case and that's not the rule at all. Uh, the rule is is that you, you're entitled to a jury who, despite what they know about the case, will objectively look at the evidence submitted during the trial and then weigh that evidence fairly and uh, arrive at an appropriate determination under the law. When we're impaneling a jury, from the government standpoint, they want someone who will find the defendant guilty, and the defendant wants someone who will find the defendant not guilty. As lawyers, we're not looking for a fair jury, we're looking for a jury that agrees with us. Um, but, but the defendant is entitled to that fair-minded jury. And his argument is, that's not what I got here. When we looked at these questionnaires, and the questionnaires were ultimately released by the judge, who took, a, I thought, incredible pains to try and find a, a jury who could look past their knowledge of the, of the events in question. Because I don't think you could have ever found a ju uh, 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 enough jurors who knew nothing about the marathon bombing. I mean, it captivated the city for months. Um, it, it shut down the city for days immediately after 
I think everyone uh, knows someone who was affected by it. Everyone's been to a marathon and could easily place themselves there at the scene knowing or they're a family member at the scene who may have been hurt. So they, uh, I think many felt personally affected by it. Um, but, but what his argument is now is, well, let's, if we look at the questionnaires, okay, you, did, you, did, you took pains to try and get a fair-minded jury, but at the end of the day, could they, could anyone look at it fairly as you posited at the outset? Is this in Boston? Is it likely that we could impanel 12, ultimately you need 12, 12 jurors, and I, the, the court actually had 18 total because they had a number of alternates. Could you impanel 12 who could look at the events objectively, free from any bias or prejudice, um, and rule on the appropriate sentence? Because I think at the end of the day, that's really what this was about. He admitted during opening arguments that he had participated in the events. And so it really brought that trial quickly to a, a much more narrow issue. If he's agreeing that he participated in the events, then it really, we're looking at punishment. Is it life imprisonment or death? So the questionnaires get released after the trial? Why yes. not before the trial so that they can be objected to before the trial? They would have been, they were released to the public after the oh. trial. Oh. They were released to the lawyers. They released to the lawyers during the impanelment process. Okay. So what's the beef? You well, the beef is, uh, his beef is that when you look at the answers to some of the questionnaires on the jurors that were impaneled even. So what this means is these were the best ones that were acceptable to the defense. But, but when you look at that, there are a number of jurors who had some uh, relationship with the events in question that, would, that, that, that objectively should make us pause and think about was this, was this, was it possible, again, back to your question, was it possible to impanel a fair jury under the circumstances um, because um, everyone, to some extent, did did feel the effects of this. Couldn't he have objected to that before they got underway? There's no doubt he did. Okay. That's how you preserve the issue All for right, appeal. Okay. Is they and 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 having covered the trial as well, they were objecting throughout mm -hmm. that they felt that this was grossly improper to try and try this case in Massachusetts. Um, under the circumstances that there was, it was not possible to get a fair trial. But when, when you looked at some of the other trials, the, the McVeigh trial out in Oklahoma City, he, he was tried locally. There were other high-profile trials where people were tried locally. Whitey Bulger was tried locally here. I mean, we've had other high-profile trials where we've been able to um, hopefully find a jury to weigh the evidence carefully. I think this one, in part, his arguments, it will be interesting to see what the appeals court does with it because his argument it has some strength to it when you look at um, the numbers. Uh, one of the facts that seemed, sounds telling to me is that half of the deliberating jurors, so at least half of the 12, uh, took part in support, supporting bombing survivors, including donating money to the One Fund, attending or watching a benefit concert, and buying Boston Strong T-shirts. Now, they may sound like relatively minor events, but that's more than simply having watched a marathon on TV or something. That's feeling some empathy for the uh, victims and the events in question. 
and and not that we shouldn't. Right. But you that, could say it would be weird not, for anyone not to. That would make you an abnormal person. Um, feeling empathy yeah. or going to the next level. Or they, buying a shirt. Buying a T-shirt, supporting right. bombing activities, or going to a concert. That does sound okay. like the next, next level. level up to me. And that's that's what he's questioning is if this was the best we could do, Maybe we should have gone down to D.C. as he suggested initially. Maybe they should have. Why didn't they? Why not? What's the downside? Well, one downside is the victims. Um, the, All right. The, attending, the, attending the trial, many of the victims still had significant physical impairments, life-altering impairments. So moving around, mobility issues, just arriving at the courthouse, and even getting to the courtroom once they were at the courthouse, the court took special steps to provide that they had uh, an easier access and not have to wait in lines. The, the people still had significant physical impairments. And to ask them to travel down to D.C. to testify um, in, you know, or stay in D.C. for some period of time, because the trial, again, took, took uh, I think, uh, somewhere between a couple months to finish. Um, the, the fact is it would have adversely affected that group. Um, and there is generally a preference to try cases in the jurisdiction in which the events took place because then oftentimes there's a, it's a familiarity. And it's not just the uh, victim's convenience. There is a sense, and if you remember how uh, intensely the, act, the trial was itself covered, is that there is community involvement in it because we all feel some sense of involvement in seeing that justice is done here. This has been a great session. We covered so much. We did cover a ton. Michael Coyne, thank you very much. You enjoy this. What looks to be a beautiful week. It's great to see your leg is healed up nicely. And thanks for the pizza. Thanks. Really appreciate it all. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.